The Piling Pay Dirt Podcast. With Scott Lasher. All right. Welcome back for week three. If you listened last week and you followed my betting picks, you made some money. We went 3-0 and on the Kansas game on Friday night. We went 5-1 and on Saturday. Colorado covered. Xavier Weaver went over his receiving yards. Texas covered. They pulled the outright upset. What a game that was. Texas at Alabama was absolutely the game of the night. Quinn Ewers also went over his passing yards and his passing touchdown. So we have the momentum going into week three. I'm feeling good. We're going to make some more winning picks. We're going to pile some more pay dirt. I am super excited for this weekend's games. Now, shifting our attention to this weekend's games, all three of the games I'm going to cover are taking place on Saturday. I have, again, picked three games on three separate time slots, so you can focus on each one individually. The first game I'm going to cover is LSU at Mississippi State. That one's going to happen at 12 noon Eastern. This is an SEC showdown, and it's actually a rivalry game. The Cowbells versus the Cajuns. LSU is going to come into this game as 9.5 point favorites. The over-under is set at 54.5. Let's get into it. Last week, LSU took its anger out on FCS Grambling State. They thumped them 72-10 after the embarrassing Week 1 loss to Florida State in primetime. They lost that game 45-24. I'm sure it feels good to get into the win column, and a 72-10 victory has to do something for your confidence, but it really is worth nothing more than a win. I mean, they should thump that team 10 out of 10 times, but, you know, they had to get a little bit of anger out, and I understand that. For Mississippi State, they remain unbeaten going into Week 3. They survived an overtime game against Arizona. They won 31-24 in extra time, and the Bulldogs have to be happy. I mean, they got a 2-0 start under new head coach Zach Arnett. He took over for the late great Mike Leach, and those are massive shoes to fill. This weekend is going to be a statement game for Mississippi State and for Zach Arnett. If they can go 3-0 against this type of talent, I mean, that will make headways into this legacy that, I mean, cannot be overstated. Arnett provides a new look to this Bulldogs offense. They moved away from the air raid attack that they did a lot under Leach, and they're much more physical now. They're a ground-and-pound, beat-you-up, three yards in a cloud of dust type of football team. And, I mean, it's worked. They're posting 221 yards rushing per game this season. They're not bad through the air either, just under 195 yards passing. The stats might be a little bit inflated, I guess. They played FCS Southeast Louisiana in Week 1. They beat them 48-7. to but the overtime win last week against Arizona is impressive. Their defense backs up a good rushing attack with a stout run D. They're holding opponents to only 87 yards rushing per game right now. Diving into how exactly the Bulldogs actually accomplished this, let's talk about their personnel, starting with the offensive side of the ball. The O-line is good, experienced, almost the whole unit's returning from last year. They're an SEC O-line, and they look like it. They're more than capable of generating a push for the run game, as well as keeping their quarterback upright. Besides their quarterback, Will Rogers, this group is loved by no one more than running back Jaquavius Marks, who has rushed for a team-high 250 yards and three touchdowns in his first two games. Quarterback Will Rogers has also enjoyed a nice stat line and a relatively clean jersey. He's thrown for 389 yards and five touchdowns on 71% completion and he's only been sacked three times. He's a quarterback who can make all the throws, but his legs don't do much. He's also struggled at looking off defenders and throwing his targets open. 
But the air yards are due in large part to wide receiver Ladeatric Griffin, who has nine catches for 116 yards and two touchdowns. Their running back, Jaquavius Marks, he has eight catches himself for 91 yards to add on to his impressive rushing stats. So expect to see him with the ball in his hands early and often in this matchup. Defensively, this unit is stout against the run and plays really well as a team. Two standout players to look for, though, linebackers Nathaniel Watson and Jet Johnson. Watson excuse me, has a team-high 18 tackles, one and a half sacks, and a pick. Johnson is close behind with 17 tackles. He also has two sacks and two picks. Safety Sean Preston is also a name to watch. He had a pick and a forced fumble in last week's win against Arizona. But now the negatives. This team has to stop committing penalties. The offense has 105 yards of penalties on 10 violations in the first two games. They have been good at protecting the ball and haven't thrown a pick. They've only surrendered one fumble. But an offensive penalty against competition like LSU might as well be a turnover. They're just drive killers, especially when you get a 10-yard holding penalty. I mean... Against a defense like this, that could be equivalent to a a pick or a fumble lost. Trying not to be pessimistic now, but the abundance of turnovers they have enjoyed against their competition this year is actually kind of shining a light on the negative for the Bulldogs. They forced five turnovers last week against Arizona, and they were favored to win that game by nine points, and they needed overtime to get the W. A win's a win, I understand that, but they will not force five turnovers against LSU. And they're now the underdog coming in by nine points. They're going to have to be more efficient with their chances in order to win on Saturday. But neither team has really proven itself against competition of this level. I'm sure LSU is hoping to come in and get a convincing victory to fix the optics surrounding this team after the Seminoles thumped them in primetime. And I'm sure Mississippi State is hoping to stay unbeaten against its rival, who has historically dominated this meeting. But let's talk about LSU a little bit. LSU did everything they could to bounce back from the loss to FSU by dismantling FCS Grambling State 72-10. A win against Mississippi State this weekend would do wonders for their confidence going into the rest of the season. Their star quarterback, Jaden Daniels, he's completed 66% of his passes with six touchdowns to only one pick so far this season. But unfortunately for him in that stat line, five of those touchdowns came last week against Grambling State, and the pick was against FSU. Make no mistake, though, Jaden Daniels is very good. He's one of the best signal callers in the nation. He's likely going to play on Sundays. A 500 record through two games is something the Tigers are not happy about. But let's be honest, they lost to a team that will likely be in the college football playoffs this year. I expect Florida State to win the ACC and probably make a really deep playoff push. LSU boasts a much more talented roster from top to bottom than Mississippi State, in my opinion. The Mississippi State defense has looked good so far, but the weakness may have been exposed a little bit last week. They struggled against the mobility of Arizona's quarterback, Jaden Delora, and now they face a much more talented quarterback named Jaden, one that is more than capable of devastating a defense with his legs and his arm, and this is going to be a really tall task for this Bulldogs defense. The key players for LSU are abundant. Running back Logan Diggs has rushed for 115 yards and a touchdown so far this season. Wide receiver Brian Thomas leads the team with 13 catches, 220 yards, and three touchdowns. And wide receiver Malik Neighbors, he has 11 catches for 154 yards. Neighbors actually came into this season as the number one option for Daniels, so I expect his production to go up sooner than later. 
So why not this weekend? On defense, we have one of the better names in the SEC, Major Burns. Him and Zai Alexander lead the tackling duties for this team, 13 tackles each. Jordan Jefferson has a sack. In the secondary, Deuce Chestnut and Greg Penn III each have a pick. A key piece that the Tigers didn't have against Florida State, because he was serving a suspension at the time, is D-tackle Mason Smith. Look for him to have an impact in this run game, causing disruptions up front, and behind him is maybe the best run-stopping linebacker in the nation in Harold Perkins. The key to this game is the running ability of Mississippi State against the run defense of LSU. LSU has not really proven anything this year. 72-10 against an FCS school doesn't make up for losing one of the biggest games they have on their schedule. But even in the loss to FSU, they allowed a total of 135 rushing yards compared to 359 through the air. Only 47 of those rush yards came from the Seminoles leading back, which seems to be the sole source of rush yards for the Bulldogs. There's a lot of di- to digest in this one, and if this game was being played at LSU, I'd have a much easier time backing LSU with the points. That being said, here are my picks. I'm going to back LSU to cover minus 9.5. LSU lost to Florida State in large part because they could not stop the aerial attack the Knowles had to offer. And I don't believe the Bulldogs are going to be able to exploit the weakness of the Tigers' defense, which is their pass defense. And as much as the Bulldogs' run game is their strength, I believe it will struggle against the Tiger defense. I also think Jaden Daniels is going to take this opportunity to right the Heisman ship. So, take his passing props. At DraftKings, take over 250 passing yards, over one and a half touchdown passes. I would parlay the two, but if you're going to do a solo, take the passing yards because the over one and a half touchdowns will pay out less than half your stake. Alright, that's it for this one. Enjoy this noon matchup. The next one I'm going to be covering starts at 3.30 Eastern. That's Minnesota at North Carolina. The North Carolina Tar Heels host the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Okay, jumping into the next matchup. We got number 20 North Carolina versus Minnesota. This game is at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. North Carolina comes in as 7-point favorites, and the over-under is set at 51 points. The Tar Heels come into this game 2-0. They beat South Carolina in Week 1, 31-17. And last week, they beat App State in double overtime, 40-34. Drake May won that game with a touchdown run in the second OT. Minnesota has to be the toughest defense that the Tar Heels have faced this year. They come in 2-0 as well. They won a defensive slugfest against Nebraska in Week 1. They won that game 13-10. After seeing Nebraska's performance in Week 2, that win's a little less impressive to me, um, especially since the Gophers entered that game as 7.5-point favorites. Last week, though, they took care of business. They beat Eastern Michigan 25-6, and they were dominant. They put up 413 yards to only 152 yards allowed. They did what they had to do against Eastern Eastern Michigan. Now, getting into it a little bit more specifically, Minnesota is a hard-nosed football team that uses a stout defense and a solid run game to wear opponents down. They have a solid O-line that makes this work. They're good at generating a push for their running game. They're big. They're nasty. Running back Darius Taylor leads the Golden Gophers rushing attack. Last week, he had 5.8 yards of carry and totaled 193 rush yards. Running back Sean Taylor was also able to get 93 yards for himself on the ground. Their quarterback, though, is not much to write home about. 
Ethan Kaliakmanis is their signal caller. He's currently completing 57% of his passes. He has 313 yards with one touchdown and two picks. He hasn't been very effective on the ground, although he did run for a short touchdown last week. A key point of concern is the injury report. Seven defensive players are listed as questionable, with nine players listed as such in total. With the defense being the biggest strength for this team, they will hope to see some of those players become available by Saturday. With that being said, though, the Gophers are deep, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Injuries are never good, but they are more than capable of producing with the next man up. The defense has allowed 16 points in two weeks. They haven't played an offense as talented as the Tar Heels, but no one questions the Minnesota defense. It is a solid unit that this team relies on to win games. The defense has held opposing quarterbacks to only 51% completion on only 4.7 yards per attempt. They have also averaged 3.5 sacks per game, so they'll hope to rattle Drake May by keeping him under pressure all game long. The secondary has also come away with two picks per game on average, so the D-line generating pressure is helping the secondary capitalize on rushed throws. This matchup is between polar opposites. Could not be more polar opposites. The Tar Heels look to outscore you, and the Golden Gophers look to keep the score low and wear you down. Let's take a look at the Tar Heels. The Tar Heels are led by sophomore quarterback Drake May. He has the ability to hurt you with his arm and his legs. Last week in the double OT victory, though, he had a more workmanlike stat line. He was efficient enough. He went 21 of 30. He threw for 208 yards. No touchdowns, no picks. He did run for 57 yards and a touchdown, and that touchdown was the game winner in double overtime. It's been a hot news topic that one of the North Carolina weapons is not able to play due to NCAA eligibility rules. Not really going to get into that, but some wide receivers to look for. Kobe Paysauer, he had eight catches for 73 yards in last week's game, and J.J. Jones, who had five catches for 91 yards. Running back O'Marion Hampton was the star last week. He had 234 yards on nine yards of carry with three touchdowns. The Tar Heels put up over 500 yards on offense, but they allowed 494. The Minnesota defense will be the stoutest unit they have played without a doubt. And the same can be said for the defense of Minnesota. They haven't faced a team nearly as powerful as the North Carolina offense. Defensively, North Carolina is better against the run than the pass. They've allowed 314 yards through the air and only 108 on the ground. But last week was a bit of a different story. South Carolina couldn't run the ball at all against the Tar Heels, but App State had a more balanced attack on its way to 494 total yards. 275 came through the air and 219 came on the ground. The Tar Heels rely on a solid linebacking core to stop the run. Linebackers Power Eccles and Cedric Gray lead this group for the Tar Heels. They'll have to have a big game on Saturday to slow down the Gophers' rushing attack. The whole unit of linebackers is a talented group, and a solid D-line helps them as well. But their weakness is probably the secondary. Don Chapman has the team's only interception this year, and Minnesota has a great run game. If the Gophers can consistently pound the rock and get the Tar Heels' defense tired, they could win this game outright. So, I mean, it is pretty simple. Can the offensive firepower of North Carolina break through the stout gopher stop troops? There's no doubt that this is the highest powered offense Minnesota has faced, and this is the best defense North Carolina has faced. Overall, North Carolina has beat better competition this year, but a double OT victory against App State is not the most convincing of wins. 
On the other hand, Minnesota, they beat Nebraska in week one, and that was a lot more impressive before we saw the way Nebraska performed in week two. So ultimately, I think Drake May will have a bounce-back performance in this game. I don't think the Minnesota defense is going to be able to do what they've done in the first two weeks against this offense. I think the Tar Heels defense will do enough to limit the scoring, and I think the offense is going to put up somewhere around 30 points for the victory. So my picks are North Carolina to cover minus 7, I like Drake May over 32.5 rushing yards, and I like Drake May over 1.5 touchdown passes. The touchdown passes are going to pay less than half your stake, so I would parlay with that, parlay that with at least one of the other picks. But that's it for this one. We're going to talk about Tennessee at Florida next. That's at 7 o'clock, and it is going to be the game of the night. And now the game of the night. The volunteers go to the swamp to take on the Gators. All right, and now the game of the night. Number 11, Tennessee, goes to Florida to take on the Gators in the swamp. The Volunteers come to this game as six-and-a-half-point favorites. The over-under is set at 58-and-a-half points. Tennessee looks to remain unbeaten as they travel to the swamp to take on the historic SEC rival, the Florida Gators. And the Gators have split their first two games with a loss to Utah in Week 1 and a dominant victory over FCS McNeese State in week two. The Volunteers' two victories came against Virginia in week one and Austin Pay in week two, so this will be their first big test of the season. Last year, the Volunteers won this matchup, breaking a five-game winning streak for the Gators in this series. And I mean, this is always a great game. Almost regardless of the state of each program, it's always a tough matchup. But Florida has gotten the upper hand more often than not, losing only two of the last 18 tilts between these two teams. Talking about Tennessee, QB Joe Milton leads this team on offense. He's taken the reins from now NFL quarterback Hendon Hooker. Joe Milton's arm has been raved about all offseason. He can throw it 70 yards effortlessly. He claims that he can throw it 80 or more. He's currently completing 67% of his passes. He has seven all-purpose touchdowns on the season, and his offense is averaging 478 yards a game. So things are going good for the Volunteers. The Volunteers split carries between running back Jalen Wright and Jabari Small. Wright has gone for over 100 yards in both contests so far this season, and Small has posted 162 yards on 26 carries. Talking about the receivers, Ramel Keaton leads the team in receiving yards with 118. Squirrel White leads the team in catches with 10, and Brew McCoy has 7 catches for 72 yards as well. So there's a few options for Milton. The defense is better against the run than the pass. They've allowed 87 rush yards a game so far, and 183 through the air. The defense works as a cohesive unit. They've been able to get to the quarterback a lot so far this season. They have 11 sacks as a team. Three players have multiple sacks. They lead the nation in tackles for loss as a team, and they also do lead the nation in sacks. They're actually tied for the lead in that that category. They aren't great at forcing turnovers, though. They have yet to recover a fumble, and they only have one interception on the year. The Volunteers' secondary will have to be up to the task on Saturday. They had a tough game against Austin P last week, allowing 260 yards through the air, which might not seem that bad, but it's Austin P. I mean, they're not a very good team, especially when you compare them to the talent of Florida. They're going to have to step it up this year, or this game, excuse me. 
The defense is ranked 29th nationally. So, I mean, it's a great unit. But as you can see, their strength is getting to the quarterback, getting in the backfield, and, you know, just disrupting things before they can even get going. For Florida, they have already had a game against a tough opponent. That came in week one when they lost to Utah. Florida has won a lot in this series against Tennessee. More often than they've lost, that's for sure. They have no interest in dropping their second in a row. They've actually only lost two games in the last 18 matchups between these two teams. So Florida is definitely hoping to beat Tennessee, put them back in their place. So we'll see what they can do. Florida quarterback Graham Mertz has been solid, but not great. He's completed 74% of his passes, which is good. He's been efficient. He's got three all-purpose touchdowns, and he's only turned it over once. I think it starts and ends with Mertz for Florida. He has to have a big game to lead this team to victory. He threw for over 300 yards in the Utah game, but he only threw one touchdown to one interception. He has to find a way to get the ball in the end zone. Florida does have a good run game, but Mertz can't rely on that to carry them to the victory in this matchup. Talking about the running game, they have a stable of running backs that are all dangerous. Trevor Etienne has rushed for 109 yards on 18 carries. Montrell Johnson has 125 yards on 18 carries. And Trayon Webb has 74 yards on 15 carries. The Volunteers' rush defense is definitely going to pose a tougher challenge than the Gators have seen up to this point. If the run game of the Gators can be effective against Tennessee, Graham Mertz will have a much better chance of having a career game through the air, which I think he might need to have if they want to win. Talking about his targets now, wide receiver Ricky Persall will be big for the Gator pass game. He has led the receiver group by a mile with 14 catches and 215 yards. A lot of other players will catch passes for the Gators, but none have been as effective as Persall. The Gator defense is good as well. They actually deserve a lot more credit than they're getting. In the loss to Utah in Week 1, the defense only allowed 270 yards. They're only allowing 15 points a game, and the Volunteers will no doubt be tested this week. The defense for the Gators actually ranks third in the nation for total defense. And they're going to be backed by a deafening crowd in the swamp filled with fans that absolutely hate Tennessee. This game is going to come down to whether or not Florida can successfully attack the secondary of the Volunteers. Florida shares the ball among a lot of different players, making it hard for defenses to key in on one guy. The run defense of Tennessee should be able to hold down the Gator run attack, relatively speaking, so Mertz will have to air it out in this game against a secondary that needs to play better. Tennessee has a potent offense, and they're capable of throwing and running the ball effectively. And a lot like the Gators, they do so by sharing the ball amongst a lot of different players. If the Gator run game can't get going, and the Tennessee Volunteers are able to key in on the pass and put pressure on Mertz, Florida's offense will struggle and Tennessee will win. I think for Florida, there's just too many things they have to do to win this game. There's a lot of, if Florida can do this, they will win. I don't have a lot of faith in quarterback Graham Mertz, and as much as I think the Gator defense deserves a lot more credit for how they've played, I think the Tennessee offense is stronger than the Gators offense, and I think their defense is solid enough to hold the Gators in check. With all that being said, here are my picks. Volunteer wide receiver Squirrel White to go over 57.5 receiving yards. I think they're going to get him the ball in space a lot. He has speed, he's shifty. I think they're going to let him go to work in space, and I could see him breaking a big one. So with that being said, book him for an anytime touchdown as well. And I have had 
the hardest time backing either team with the spread. I think Tennessee will win outright, but with how this matchup has gone historically, 6.5 points feels like a lot, especially in the swamp. But I'm basing my pick on the quarterbacks. Volunteer quarterback Joe Milton does not lack confidence. The Florida native once said, I don't lose in Florida. And I think Joe Milton will get the job done on Saturday. Back Tennessee to cover, minus six and a half. All right, guys, this has been the Piling Pay Dirt Podcast. You can get next week's episode at Piling Pay Dirt Podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Have a great weekend and enjoy the games. The Piling Pay Dirt Podcast will be back next week for week four. 